Welcome to Extra Credits. Muggo, what are we talking about today? I thought you had episode six. I am. Oh, you're episode <laughs> six. I was like, oh crap, did I miss the ball? Episode <laughs> six. Um, I don't I don't know if I have a title for this one. Do you guys have any thoughts? I think it's just the the ugly side of fame. I yeah. think that's what this whole episode's about. Yeah. Gambling. Gambling, yeah. Lies. Seduction. Truth. Conspiracy theory. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. Wow, this, this sounds like a great uh, Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Well, the soundtrack sounds like a Christopher Nolan movie. Oh, yeah. Got that Hans Zimmer going. Um, cool. Yeah, so, you know, like like we just said, this is definitely, uh, you know, if last, if last episode was about uh, Michael's growing global influence, uh, this is definitely the other side of that, the reality of having that fame. Uh, you know, we start off the episode with um, Michael Jordan doing multiple takes about him talking about how everybody wants to be like MJ for a day and, or a week, but not really prepared to be MJ in real life. And I think this is probably one of the best moments of this episode and this documentary entirely because you know this whole time we've been just talking about the accolades and all that other stuff but like you really see like the sense of stress and just the repetitiveness of having to go through living life as this global figure like just that one scene alone of him having to do take after take saying the same thing over again it's kind of ironic you feel me yeah yeah, just having to talk about how nobody nobody wants to be like him in real life. Um, and then we move right into him in his hotel room on a couch saying, you know, he invites the documentary guys and he says, you know, it was peaceful until you guys came here. And all he's just confined in his room, smoking his cigar, drinking his beer, watching TV. And that's the only time he's at peace. And immediately after that, we get into um, Tim Hollum, who's like the Bulls PR. And he says that, you know, the moment he steps outside of his hotel or his home, like the spotlight is on him. And we go through this whole montage of him going to the elevator, going downstairs, people screaming at him when he's trying to get on the bus or in a car, him getting out of the bus. You know, he'll spend time with a terminally ill child before every game. People are yelling at him for autographs. He's in the locker room trying to change, get ready for a game. And people are trying to interview him the entire time. And, you know, when the game is over, he probably gets like a 10 minute break before he has to go out to the bus or a car again. And people are just swarming him. And then they go back to his hotel room and, you know, MJ says, this isn't a life that anybody would want or should want or envy, you know, being confined to this room. And that's when he says, you know, for the first time in this documentary, he's ready to get out of this life. And how do you guys feel about, you know, this whole opening part? So one, yeah, like I think the guy ends up saying like I wouldn't want this lifestyle, and it kind of shows the 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 dark side of it, like you're saying, Kerwin. I feel like in a sense he's sometimes like a prisoner of the hotel room, you know, like he has yeah. to go there and stay. And I just I want everyone to understand: we get off work and we go to happy hour, or we go to the gym, we get to de-stress. Once you get away from work, he plays a game and has like ten minutes and has to go to media and answer questions. It would get fucking exhausting man I, I couldn't deal with it there's no way so I, I i don't know how he did it but but that's that's why he's michael jordan yeah just mentally dude and then still play at the you know the top level that he's at i you know i'll i'll never you know crap on an athlete or anything like that or a celebrity because like what they do is work on and off stage like all it the reminds time. me of uh rodman's episode when they're they're interviewing him in the gym and he's like Dude, I'll play basketball for free. I'll do the game for free. They pay me for everything outside of that. That's what I was kind of thinking about. Like, it's like, yeah, when he's on the court, it's probably when he's like, you know, doing his thing and he loves the game. But it's like, 
just watching him and have to deal with, you know, crowd after crowd after crowd. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's got to be just exhausting, like, let alone playing the game, you know. And then, um, you know, right after this, you know, we, we talk about, um, you know, the media, the spotlight being on him all the time. And then we start to get into, you know, gambling. So our first inclination to that is when we see Michael playing quarters, throwing coins up against the wall, and he's betting with the arena staff. And, you know, Will Purdue says, you know, uh, Michael Jordan was competitive all the time at everything. And, you know, him and the guys that got paid the most, like Ron Harper, Scotty, they would play for like thousand dollar hands on the team jet and then once he was done winning against those guys he'd come to the other side with like him and john paxton and he would say like you know i know you guys are you know they would say why you want to play with us we're just playing like dollar hands five dollar hands and mj's just like because i want to be able to say that i got your money in my pocket like that's that's how competitive he was all the time and then we we cut back to him you know betting against the arena staff and he loses his money, but he's not willing to give up, you know, that, that loss. He still wants to keep playing, you know, and then, you know, we, we get to a post game, you know, they play against the Orlando magic. And now one thing I want to point out, like, has, has the sale of Miller light and cigars gone up since this oh. documentary came out? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I never, Alan actually drinks Miller light. This is why you drink. It's not because you like it. It's because they drink it, huh? I will tell you this. When I was in Chicago, <laughs> that was the only thing that was on sale. Like you literally, if you went into a bar in Chicago, it was mill. It was like Bud Light was like five, six bucks. And then Miller Light was a dollar. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to drink Miller Light. So I started <laughs> drinking it. And that whole week I got a taste for Miller Light. <laughs> so when he's, uh, <laughs> when he's playing quarters with the arena staff, <laughs> My favorite meme comes out of that, where that creepy-looking guy just goes like, "I don't know." Is it shrug? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate that. That's my favorite meme it. with the uh, perm. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yo, I love the quote because he's just like, "Hey, man, that's not fair. Your quarter rolls closer to the wall," and then he's just like, "Cause your money's rolling right into my pockets." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know, he, like, it's his security guy, but doesn't MJ like look pissed that he just lost a game? Yeah. Um, yeah. Only twenty bucks. But you can see his face. He's like, God damn it. I lost 20. He's like, I want to go again, you know? Get an addiction. Um, and then, you know, we cut right after that, uh, that Orlando game. And we get uh, Dr. Todd Boyd saying that, you know, we talk about uh, Jordan being like a huge cultural figure. And that whenever you're, you know, that huge a figure on the global stage, somebody's going to try to dig up dirt on you. And then yeah. that's, that's when we get in right into this book called uh, Jordan Rules by Sam Smith. You know, we've seen him in the documentary in a couple episodes, but this episode we actually talk about the book that he wrote. So in this book, you know, he kind of details a lot of the alleged drama behind the scenes at the Bulls organization, you know, kind of indicating that not everybody loves MJ and that he can be abrasive to those who don't meet his standards on the court, you know, for example, saying like, I'm not going to pass to this teammate or like picking fights and other stuff like that. And we get to Phil Jackson saying that, you know, Jerry Krause had bookmarked 25 different quotes in that book and wanted to find out who in the organization would have let that information out. And, you know, the first guy that, um, you know, MJ and Will Produce did it is Horace Grant. Horace Grant. <laughs> Fucking Horace Grant. Horace now, was he, he was with the Magic at this time or was he still with the Bulls at this time? He was with the Bulls. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. with the Bulls up until, I think, Alan, it was one year after Jordan left, 
then he signed with the Magic, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Ninety five, ninety six. That he went with the Magic, and then so the the, the second three P, he was no longer around. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is before Jordan retired, then yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, got you. All right, so he was still there. Yeah, so like you know, you get him and Will Purdue saying that Grant did it. Then you get Horace saying like he didn't he didn't leak the info, but he says that everybody wants to use him as a scapegoat because he has a good relationship with his journalist. But you know, you got people on the team saying that he didn't like being in Jordan's shadow even after they won those championships. So, you know, I don't, I don't know who to believe. Even BJ Armstrong says it couldn't have been Horace Grant. It's prop. I mean, I, I, I would believe BJ Armstrong too, because you got a lot of, you know, trainers, staff, you know, people just around the organization in practices mm-hmm. watching, and they might have some sort of uninformed opinion about Jordan because, you know, they're not an athlete. They don't know that this is normal or this yeah. is just the intensity of what it is to be a competitive athlete. So it Imagine been- it was Scotty Pippen. That'd be fucked up. That don't do it. It wasn't hey. him, but imagine hey. if it was him. We don't badmouth Scotty. We don't even want to. We don't even want to talk about badmouthing Scotty. I'm not gonna do that. Plot twist. I got 33 reasons twist. why we shouldn't do that. It but, was Isaiah Thomas pretending he was a Chicago Bull. He did his best impersonation over the phone. Right. I can see it. I can see it. Um, but you know, right then and there we get MJ saying that like, he's not going to let somebody else kind of knock him off his pedestal. Like if he's going to fall off the top, it's going to be because of him. And we're talking about how they have to go up against the Knicks, right? The Knicks were coming up at that time in the mid nineties. Um, you know, you got that physical matchup. They're basically the new Pistons, you know, they're, they are to the bulls, what the bulls were to the Pistons at this time. I just want to chime in. Alan, you remember that series? That's one of my favorite series. The John Starks, Patrick Ewing versus the uh, – it was, it was fun to watch, man. It was conference finals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Eastern Conference yeah. Finals, yeah. Yeah, yeah so you know, the Knicks won the first two games. Yep. And then uh, after the second game, you know, you had reports coming out that Michael Jordan, you know, let the team down because he was, you know, out in Atlantic City doing whatever he wanted the night before with his dad and his family. And the media just piles on. And before we get into this, like, I I do want to bring up something that uh, Phil Jackson says, you know, he says that Michael Jordan said, going to Atlantic City isn't going to ruin his game, right? He just needs to take his mind off all the pressure of being in the playoffs. Now, isn't that similar to what Dennis Rodman went through? Yeah. yeah. Like you gotta, you, like, you gotta give these guys room to breathe. Like everybody kind of operates on their own wavelength and like the, the most high under pressure, greatest player in the world, he might have to go to a casino for a couple hours, like give him a break. But like the flack he got for that was outrageous. Like it was unnecessary. And I think it just goes to show that like they were trying to find some sort of good on this guy. Yeah. There's something to make him look like, oh, MJ went to gamble and now he has a gambling problem. And that's why, like, he, you know, he didn't play well. And I just, I, you see it throughout the whole documentary about how he just kept shutting everybody up by the way he played. Yeah. yeah. He, said, he said something that I think really hit was they build you up, but only so much. Once you have so much success, then they yeah. want to find something wrong with you because you've been too good and now it's time for you. Okay, you've had enough. And they were just trying to find some dirt on him. Yeah, and um, I forget. I think it was David Aldridge or somebody else, but they said like um, people were just like craving that downfall story. Like, yep. yeah. like the only thing they love more than seeing a hero rise is watching them fall yeah. and being on the sidelines, you know, poking fun at it. And that's, that's truly a messed up way to be. But, um, you know, Aldridge also talks about how like, the the Atlantic City thing was a huge deal because um, after they won their championship in 1991, 
um, you know, MJ didn't go to the White House after they won their championship, right? Yeah, so he went to the casino. Right. Yeah, so he went, he went gambling with a dude named Sam Buller. So Sam Buller, you know, from the documentary, we know he's a golf hustler and he got caught up on charges of money laundering and drug trafficking uh, in, the, I think, December 1991. So how Jordan got linked to this dude, um, as far as like his criminal case goes, was that uh, the, FBI fa- the FBI found a $57,000 check from MJ issued to Slim Buller. So uh, MJ at first said, you know, uh, it's a loan, but in reality, it was him paying off a gambling debt. So he would go out and gamble with this dude. Uh, you know, maybe he was short one day and he didn't have his card or his money or whatever. So he just borrowed 57K. Shit, who has 57K to give out? I don't know. But that's a college tuition at a, at a smaller college, but who knows? But, but um, yeah, um, so basically he had to testify in court and admit that this was, you know, him paying back uh, a gambling debt to this dude. So Slim Buller, a little bit about this guy, did some research. He spent eight years in jail. And he says that uh, MJ got off easy because of it. He says that he could have cooperated more with the feds and given them more information, but he didn't want to ruin MJ's career because he figured, you know, yo, you're a millionaire. You can help me out when I get out of jail. But uh, Michael Jordan hasn't spoken to him since that court date or since he went to jail. Man. So he, he's salty. And then uh, there, there is one other thing that gets brought up in the documentary. We got this book called uh, Michael and Me, Our Gambling Addiction, dot, 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 My Cry for Help. It's a long title. I'm already tired of reading it. And it's by <laughs> Richard, <laughs> Richard Esquinas. Um, you cannot find this book anywhere uh, at a bookstore, but it is on Amazon for $900. If you what? Want what? Really? Yes, it is on Amazon for $900. He's trying to still pay his uh, credit or his gambling debt. Yeah. yeah. So uh, wow. that's how you got to find it. Um, is, is and then, weird, isn't it weird paying a gambling debt by check though? Too, I just feel like, mm-hmm. like, don't you pay in cash? Like, wouldn't you not want your name associated with that? Like, wouldn't you just want to pay it in cash and be done? I just feel like weird. Yeah. Check is kind of- also, like, it's a fifty-seven thousand dollars check. You don't cash that right away. <laughs> yeah. Like, what I kind of money are you it. sitting on? I wonder yeah. if it was a personal check, but not a cashier's check. <laughs> Might have been a personal check. What is that? Thirty days for a personal yeah. check or whatever? Yeah, he's wait. He's waiting till day twenty nine. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny too because um the dude uh, Slim Buller he says that the only reason the feds were even interested in his case and it became so high profile was because of MJ and he says that um if Michael Jordan never wrote that check he probably never would have gone to jail in the first place according to him that's what he says. Mm, debatable yeah well yeah because you got you got drug trafficking and money laundering yeah. come on dog like come next on. thing is kidnapping all that good shit yeah all the good shit yes <laughs> yeah back to back to uh Eskinas, or yeah back to Eskinas. he says that you know they did gamble on the golf course playing cards at the casino but like they never touched basketball like there was no corruption on michael jordan's end as far as you know his gambling competitiveness on the court and then, you know, similar to that, David Stern didn't see a, re- uh, didn't see a reason to penalize him because he, he looked at it this way. Like, you know, everybody thinks that Michael Jordan is gambling a crazy amount of money. And that's not the case. Like 10K for him is like $10 to us. Yeah, they made that analogy. Yeah. That. yeah, so of course he's going to bet more than the average person. It never, like this controversy, it was kind of short-lived, but it never, it never affected his, his pay his popularity, but like the media just kept pouring down on him and it was just, just awful to the point where he decided to go silent and his dad decided to talk to the media. 
Yeah. It was around the finals where he where he went silent. Then, uh, so like the controversy started in like 90, 91, 92 season, and then it kind of followed him all the way up to to this latest season where they're yeah. playing against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Eastern Conference Finals. And then uh, you know, right after that, we get uh Jordan rushing off to his tea time. I know Mugs, you play a lot of golf. Uh, yeah. Is this is this how it is to get out there on the green like that? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. I mean, especially when you're gambling like that. But but yeah, I I, I mean. I, I, I can just tell – I mean, basketball is one thing to, like, like if you're playing to bet on. I, golf is set up so well to gamble, if that makes any sense, you know. So, I and it's very addicting. Like, right now, I'm really addicted to it. Alan and I play – we're not playing for $10,000, you know. We're playing for $5, you know. But it's it's very – it's I mean, Alan, wouldn't you agree? It's set up to, like, mm-hmm. the optimum time to gamble because that's just the way it is. It's it's my – every shot then counts, and there's – it just – it's – it's 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 fun. Yeah. There's drinking. There's gambling. There's Miller Lite, cigars. Miller Lite. All the yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, speaking of Jordan and his controversy, um, Bulls won that series four two, so gambling wasn't an issue, obviously. Um, <laughs> they won the next four right after they lost those two because they went back to Chicago, easily yeah. won two games, and they never looked back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then going back to Phil Jackson again, even Michael Jordan says it when they get off the bus to uh, like the golf club or whatever, the golf club, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) Like he says, you know, if we, if we were coached by any other coach, we'd be at practice right now. And he says, luckily we got Phil and he knows when his players need a break. So now the episode rewinds to the 1993 NBA finals and um, MJ kind of feels like, you know, yo, I've had enough of this, you know, being silent to the media. I've had enough of, these questions about gambling. So he decides to do like a one-on-one interview with Ahmad Rashad the day of a game or day before a game. And he pretty much addresses all the gambling stuff. He says like, I don't have a, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitive problem. Like I always compete all the time. And you know, you got Ahmad Rashad saying, you know, it's a cool interview, but it would have been better if you took off your glasses because you look kind of crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we fast forward to the finals of that year and, uh, you know, Michael Jordan was pissed because Charles Barkley got the MVP that year. And he says, yeah. you know, you can have MVP, but I'm going to take the championship. Like we said in the previous episodes, like any little bit of like uh, doubt about MJ's greatness is enough to cause him to go off the rails and perform. And we get, um, you know, this little bit about how Jordan talks about Jerry Krause being in love with, you know, Dan Marley as a defensive player. So MJ decided specifically to make this dude a non-factor just to show Jerry Krause he wasn't shit compared to him. So I I love that he could just turn it on and target somebody. All this mental, like, toughness that he had, he just – I don't know how he did it. He he could just turn it on. Most people would shut down, but he turned it into a drive to perform and outdo everyone's thoughts about him. It's crazy because, like – it's it's not that like he tried to do it like yeah. he just said like I'm going to do it and it happened which is crazy. There was one I think it happened in this in this episode where there was like a some nobody from the Bullets that scored like 38 points in like a game in the playoffs and he made up Michael made up the fact that he said good game Michael after the game that Michael had a bad game. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, he told me good game." And like that never happened. He just made it up. Yeah. What? He made it up. So the next game, he came and scored like 38 in the first half. Yeah. He said, uh, I'm going to score what he made in the whole game yes. in the first half. The first half. Yeah. Destroyed him. 
you know, and then we move on, you know, to the finals. We got the, the Phoenix Suns, of course. I think uh, Bulls, what, won the first two games out in Arizona. Yeah. And then uh, game three went to triple OT in uh, Chicago. And then uh, <laughs> my favorite bit is the little boy in the Chicago Bulls stand saying, uh, don't take it personally, Charles, after the Suns lose game four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you got Chicago. They're already ready, ready to celebrate in the streets. They got signs up. The Suns beat them. And Charles says, uh, you know, they, the media asked Charles, like, do you got a message for the people in Chicago? And he says, take that shit out the windows. You're not going to need it tonight. Yeah, And, um, you know, talking about just Jordan and his will and his ability to execute, I love that when they go back to Phoenix, Michael Jordan says, I'm only bringing one suit. Yeah, Like, I'm not going yeah. back to play two games. Like, one suit. And then they beat him. First game back in Phoenix, they beat him. And then you got John Paxson hitting that game one in three. So, in game six. So yeah, that was him. Because did he say, like, uh, ball, ball usually doesn't go to him or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, he said it wasn't supposed to go to him. It always goes to, like, all the main players. And it went to him, and he just took the shot, and it was the best moment of his life. So, good for him. Hey, now he's in a documentary, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was his one way in the documentary. But after that win, you know, we, we kind of go back to uh, what Jordan was saying in his hotel room. Like, he's kind of tired of the life and right after this third title you know you can see the look on his face like he doesn't have that joy he had in his first he doesn't have like as much joy he had in his second he's just kind of like is that it am i done he was relieved yeah he's it's not it's not a feeling of joy it's just like finally it's it's fucking over and yeah he was just exhausted and he said he didn't have any motivation anymore like he just said like you know his fame was good at the beginning but now that he's on a pedestal you know, it's just not the positive talk, but you got people taking all these shots at you and he's at a stage in his life where he'd rather not be in the spotlight anymore. And he says it like, if he had his chance to do it all over again, he wouldn't want to be considered a role model. There's no way you can win. Going back to what we talked about in episode five, you know, about uh, his comments regarding the Jordans and Republicans, like you can't win. There's no way you can win no matter what you do when you're that high profile a celebrity or athlete. Much. We moved to 1998, fast forward to uh, the playoffs against the Nets. And then, uh, you know, we get MJ and Ahmad in the car again. Like, yo, Ahmad and MJ, best friends, I guess. I don't know. I, didn't know, that. I know that. I didn't know that. I thought the documentary. Yeah, I knew Ahmad was like a big deal, but I had no idea like he was this close to MJ. Like, for Yeah, real. I mean, he has, he's been in other uh, documentaries with him as his like main go to person. Huh. I just remember him from. Uh, what was that show called? It was like NBA Inside, Inside, Inside the NBA. Inside, yeah, Inside the NBA. Inside the NBA. Was it on yeah. every Saturday morning, Alan? Yeah. yeah. That was on. I remember that. Something, is it Sanders? What's the lady's name? Susan. Uh, oh my gosh, now I'm drawing a blank. Susan oh, remember. No. His, uh, I forgot, I forgot. I'm drawing a blank right now. His, like, co-host? His, yes, yes. Uh, gosh. I just remember is you would watch that, and then you would watch the games... It was on NBC, yeah. like, every every Saturday. That was when they had Saturday games. Well, yep. Yep. They're starting to bring them back a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Saturday yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, I would love a Saturday game because these Sunday games, like, uh, yeah, just... I don't, I'm not digging the Sunday games, man. I wish they would do more of those primetime Saturday games, but I think they're starting to do that more. I've, I've noticed, I think, this year, I don't know if those are the year before. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah, like, I want to go to a game on a Saturday, not a Sunday. Yeah, dude, especially, oh, like, I'm, especially I'm, West Coast primetime where it's at 730. Oh. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Um, right now, I'd go to any game. I don't right. care. Like, uh, <laughs> game. 
true. Oh, man. We could just play live. It's all good. But uh, last bit about this episode, Jordan's in the car with Ahmad, and he says that he wants to retire two years before his skills decline. And he says that a lot of other players are too concerned with playing until they can't anymore. And he says, like, he'd rather just walk off on his own and not being taken out of the game. How do you guys feel about that? Which I, I completely agree, and I feel like if it does end in 98 for him, he did exactly that because the Washington Wizard years, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that was just – I did not like that he went out that way. Um, wow. See what happens to Brady, right, in Tampa Bay. I, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think I think that if, if, if he would have gone out in 98, it technically would have been what he was saying right there. And, I mean, we could talk about if 99 would have happened or whatever, but – I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think that with what he was saying there, if he goes out in 98, he's doing just that, in my opinion. But. No, I, I 100% agree because ain't nothing worse than seeing, like, a really, really great player just, like, decline poorly. Like, you saw, like, it happened to Peyton Manning, happened to Eli Manning. Like, you just you're, – you're just kind of like – just kind of like, just pack it up, man. Like, nobody's like going to be – It happens to everybody. I mean, yeah. Kobe was not the same I mean, at the end. Shaq. 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 Anthony. Men's Carter, Dirk Nowitzki. All of them. Yep. Yeah. I think Jordan Jordan would have been the only one that left that way, like that I can recall. Yeah. yeah. And I think the only reason he even came back to the Wizards because, like, you know, he was the executive and he just he just wasn't getting it done as an executive. And he said, fuck it, I need to be on the court. I can't be up here. Like, he yeah. was too close to the game. So. Yeah. What is he on the Wizards or the? Wizards. The Wizards. It was two seasons. It was just one year? Two years. Two. It was two years. They you were just trying to what, 2003? Yeah, they just missed the playoffs both both years. They were yeah. like 38 and 44. He wanted to play for uh, – because Doug Collins was the coach. Yep. During those years. Oh, so he wanted to play for Doug Collins was? again. Yeah, before. Yeah. I did not know and, he made the, and he made the playoffs every year with the Bulls. Yeah. But those two years, he, he didn't. Mm-hmm. It was uh, – the, the, the show with Ahmad Rashad was NBA Inside Stuff. There we go. That was on Saturday. And his co-host was Summer Sanders. That's who it was. Summer. I thought it was Susan. Yeah, I thought it was Susan Sanders. Wait, wasn't Summer (laughs) Sanders like a a swimmer or something like that? Yeah. She she was like an Olympic swimmer, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was on uh, Figure It Out on Nickelodeon. Was she? Oh, yeah. (laughs) She was on Nickelodeon. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. That just brought me back. Dude. That's a deep cut, man. Hey, you kids, you don't know, man. You don't know Nickelodeon at game shows, man. I'm getting getting a little off topic, but one of the 90s that I really loved was the Hornets. Remember Larry Johnson? Yes. What was that? He played uh, – he, he had, like, this other role. It was, like, a grandma. Grandma? grandma? Yes. <laughs> Dude, it just brings back so many memories. Yeah, just – I mean, even the whole documentary is just bringing back yeah. the, the 90s. I mean, just looking at Patrick Ewing and the Knicks and just – Remembering that John Starks played and like Sean like Kemp, yeah. Gary Payton, yeah. Oh yeah, man! Like it, it's a huge nostalgia trip, and you know, once again, got to bring it up. The soundtrack, one hundred, <laughs> yeah, all the way through. But I think uh, I think that's all we got. Unless you guys want to add anything else. No. All right. No. So uh, I guess that's it for episode six, and uh, we'll see you on uh, Force Awakens. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rogue guys. One. Rogue One comes out first. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Detroit, hey, Detroit sucks. <laughs> <laughs>